Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. There's so much confusion when it comes to menopause and what females should do to balance their hormones. Some doctors recommend taking estrogen and progesterone. Others recommend bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I've had doctors on the show recommend various herbal products and creams, while others say just follow a strict diet. That's the answer. All this confusion ends today. We have with us Dr. Eldred Taylor in the house, Author of Are Your Hormones Making You Sick? He's going to share the most accurate way to test, prevent, and treat common symptoms of menopause. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a board-certified obstetrician, gynecologist, and served as an assistant clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Emory University Medical School for over 12 years. He's a sought-after expert and provides continuing medical education seminars throughout the United States and abroad on hormonal imbalances and functional medicine. His mission is to motivate doctors and healthcare practitioners to reform the standard of care while improving patient care. He and his wife, Dr. Ava Bell Taylor, are co-authors of the book Stress Connection and the bestseller, Are Your Hormones Making You Sick? Welcome to the show, Dr. Eldred Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that uh, introduction. Yeah, it's great having you with us. Let's dive in. First, share with us some of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to menopause. What are females doing wrong? Well, I think the biggest misconception is that all women need estrogen at menopause. And that was something that I was taught when I did my residency 30 years ago, that uh, menopause equaled an estrogen deficiency syndrome. And what I discovered, and I hope people will begin to discover, is that menopause is really not an estrogen deficiency condition. We were giving people Primarin and Provera, and the Women's Health Initiative that came out around 2001 or 2002 uh, clearly showed that estrogen had detrimental effects, increasing the risk of breast cancer and endometrial cancer and maybe increasing blood clotting. So all of these issues made us kind of reconsider what we had been doing and what we had been taught. Now, thankfully, <laughs> the reason why I decided to go in another direction is when my wife started having hormonal issues and I was doing the things that I was taught that I was also doing to uh, having patients do, uh, I saw 24-7 what the effects of that were, and they weren't good. And so uh, I had to look for other issues. And, you know, in medical school, they say they, your patients will teach you a lot. And my patients taught me about bioidentical hormones and what really goes on with menopause. So the biggest misconception is not an estrogen deficiency problem. It's a hormonal imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. I know you mentioned that in the uh, initial comments about estrogen and progesterone. It's actually the imbalance between the two that causes all the symptoms. It's not one or the other. It's the balance of the two hormones. Great. Grenifer, now you brought up the, uh, I guess, the bioidentical hormone replacement. Is that better option compared to all the standard of care that's out there that, you know, prescribed by most medical doctors? Tell us the difference. 
Well, bioidentical means exactly what it sounds like. If you break that word down, bio means biology or human biology. And identical means that we're giving you something that's identical to what your body was making. Uh, so your body makes estradiol, estrone, and, and estriol, which are three different estrogens. And then it makes progesterone. And that's uh, what your body has made, you know, since puberty in women. What we were giving, I told you it was Primarin and Provera. That's what I was taught back in the late 1990s and uh, when I was doing my residency, is that uh, Primarin is actually pregnant mare urine. That's why they got the name Primarin. And Provera is a chemically uh, altered form of progesterone. And so when you look at how the body works, if you use something that is identical to what the body makes, your body has receptors to those hormones and they will activate those receptors in a normal way. If you give the body something that is not identical, uh, you don't really know what is going to happen because there's no physiologic model to what that effect is going to be. So you have to wait 10, 15 years, and then you look back and say, oh, wow, you know, Provera increased the risk of breast cancer. Primarin may not have been the best choice. So so that's the difference between bioidentical and pharmaceuticals. Then you say, well, why wouldn't everybody use bioidentical hormones? Well, that's because you can't. That was my next question. Yeah. Well, you can't <laughs> patent something that was made by God, you know, or whoever you believe in the creator right. is. If it's, you know, you can't say you invented estrogen and you can't say you invented progesterone. But you can say you invented a mixture of pregnant mare urine that the body can use because that's not its original design to use pregnant mare urine. So you can you can patent that. And then you can also, if you change the structure of progesterone, where it is a new compound, where it's a new chemical, then you can patent it. So I hate to say it, but a lot about healthcare doesn't have anything to do with health. A lot about healthcare has to do with money. And so you can't make the same amount of money if you can't patent something. And so... Uh, so, yeah, so that is, uh, to me, that is the only reason why someone wouldn't use bioidentical hormones, uh, other than the fact you just don't understand the difference. And, you know, I must confess, I didn't understand the difference either until I, you know, took it upon myself to learn the difference. And when you actually take those things into consideration, it makes a lot more sense to give the body what it naturally is used to having than to introduce something that's foreign to the body. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's assumed that with age comes a lack of libido, but I've had Suzanne Summers on the show several times, and she's at 74 years of age, and she says thanks to bioidentical hormones, she still has sex every day, sometimes twice. Her husband collaborates that it's true. Talk to us about sex drive and how menopause doesn't have to be permanently paused when it comes to sex. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, you know, uh, I, I would uh, love to. Uh, 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 yeah, I, I heard Susan Summer say that also. I, I mean, when I was twenty-five, I don't know if I could do what she's talking <laughs> about. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, that's neither here nor there, you know. So I can't say it was like when I was twenty-five. But, but anyway, so yeah, uh, uh, that imbalance. This, this is what I would uh, say to you: is that women have to feel good in order to want to have sex. Men have sex so they can feel good. 
if a man is in a bad mood or if he's had a hard day at the office, if he comes home and his wife has sex with him, everything is is hunky dory. He he, you know, the birds sound sweeter, the air is, you know, better. Uh, but women, they have to feel good in order to want to have sex. So, and menopause is not a feel good time for women. So I always tell women that if I can get your hormones straight, and if I can get you, because a lot of times what comes with menopause is weight gain. They're irritable. They're hot. You know, they don't, if a man is close to them, they're, you know, they're sweating. So now they don't feel good about that. So if they don't feel good about their body, if they don't feel good, then their libido goes away. If we can make them feel good, they have control of their weight again, they don't have vaginal dryness, you know, where it's uncomfortable to have sex. So those, you know, as we all know, uh, sex in men uh, is very simple. Uh, Sex in women is very complicated. So, uh, you know, uh, was it Tina Turner? Is like, what's love got to do with it? Well, with women, it has a lot. <laughs> it has a lot to do with it. So, you know, men. Uh, you know, men don't care as much about the relationship. They care about the sex. Women care yeah. about the relationship. They care about how they feel about the relationship. So, uh, yeah. So, so it, it, it's it's complicated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What about these herbal products? I've heard like black coho, the uh, dong quai, dandelion root. There's so many out there being touted for balancing hormones. In your opinion, do any of these work? Yeah, I, I do. Like black cohosh, what it primarily does, it's it's a weaker estrogen that takes the place of the stronger estrogen. So if you're out of balance with too much estrogen and not enough progesterone, a, a lot of these things, yeah, they can work. Symptomatically, they can work for patients. Don Quai, Black Cohosh, there's some, yeah, like you said, there's several. And then a lot of them are focused on trying to uh, balance cortisol, which is a stress hormone, because, you know, stress can uh, cause the hot flashes and things to be worse. So, as you noted, we wrote two books. One is Are Your Hormones Making You Sick? And then the other one is The Stress Connection. And that's because after about two or three years of only looking at the female hormones, uh, we found out or we discovered that stress can really disrupt reproductive hormones or female hormones. And even if you have a woman who is perfectly imbalanced, if uh, we have her own bioidentical hormones and she's been doing great for four or five years, if something stressful happens in her life, like uh, the, their mother is coming to live with them and they have Alzheimer's or the parents die or, you know, they their husband dies suddenly or, or anything like that. Anything that's stressful will cause a disruption and make those symptoms reoccur. So uh, a lot of the supplements also like ashwagandha and things like that, they help with uh, cortisol and stress and help to calm the patient. And a lot of times that helps with uh, menopause symptoms. Yeah, like you said, it's a balance. You've got to look at all assets rather than just say, hey, estrogen. So you're really encompassing the whole picture, which I think is great. Talk to us about the the most accurate way for a woman to have her hormone levels tested. How how does she know if she's off balance? That's probably the most important thing uh, there is. I'll tell you, understanding how to test hormones changed the course of my career, and that's, I'm not over-exaggerating, is that I did a four-year residency at Emory University, one of the top universities in the country, and we never measured patients' hormones. 
And I didn't ask any questions because, you know, I was there to learn and I figured that, you know, they knew more than me. So I never asked. All we did was in young women to balance their hormones, we gave them birth control pills. In older women, we gave them estrogen. If they had a uterus, we gave them estrogen and Provera. That was just what we did. And that's because blood levels don't really reflect what the tissue level of the hormone is. The hormones are fat soluble. The blood is water soluble. So oil and water don't mix. So the hormone does not want to be in the blood for a long time, at least the active part of the hormone. So in order to measure tissue levels of hormones, you have to look at saliva. Saliva testing is the most accurate way, I believe, to measure hormones. And when you measure them in the saliva, it becomes very easy to figure out what to do. You know, I, I would, I would uh, ask docs and ask patients, I said, would you ever take blood pressure medicine from a doctor who never took your blood pressure? Would you ever take, would you continue to take cholesterol medicine from a doctor who never measured your cholesterol levels? And everybody says no. Well, then why would you take hormones from a doctor who never measured your hormones? And, you know, it really doesn't make much sense. And you will find that a lot of doctors will measure the hormones in the blood. However, they don't necessarily take into consideration what the hormone levels in the blood say. They may do it initially. But if you are giving a hormone, if the hormone is coming from any other place other than the ovaries or the testicles, then you are not going to understand or know what the actual tissue levels are. So most of these hormones are either taken orally or they're taken uh, transdermally or you can do pellets. And the only way you're going to know that tissue level is by doing salivary testing. So when I, when I understood that, that changed my whole career. It made it easy. It's easy for me and for the patient to understand what's going on because they can see it in black and white, the imbalance. We can treat the imbalance and we can redo the test and we can see the hormones are in balance and their symptoms are in balance. And I've been doing this for 20 years and I am a 100% believer. Is that how you should measure female hormones and male hormones? Right. Great, great solution there. One question, a listener found out you're going to be on the show and says, oh, ask him this question. Why can't I drink wine anymore without getting hot flashes when she used to be able to drink wine with no problem? And I've, I've been asked that before. What's the answer? Why can't you enjoy wine without your feet going on fire? Uh, you know, that, that is a, uh, that is a, a good question. And I say <laughs> that is that that's only, that only happens in some people. Uh, what I would tell your listener and patients, is that why don't you try organic wines or uh, wines that aren't made in the United States? Now, I hope you don't have any wine companies that are sponsoring your program, but let me tell you the difference between U.S. wines and European organic wines. A lot of times, one, sulfites that are in uh, non-organic wines can sometimes trigger uh, hot flashes or they can actually be a stress on the body. Also, American wines can have uh, chemicals and preservatives in it that aren't allowed in other countries. If you notice that you don't have to, you know, there's no labels of ingredients on the wine. So winemakers in the U.S. can put uh, chemicals and preservatives in the wine and you don't have to list them. I just was talking to a patient who's from Sweden, and she was like, when I'm in Sweden, I can drink two bottles of wine with my friends, and I have no problem. She said, when I drink American wines now that I'm in the U.S., 
uh, it makes me sick. I don't feel good. I get hot flashes. So it may be the type of wine she's drinking and not necessarily wine in and of itself. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we've had uh, a few guests on the show talking about the, the, the hidden chemicals in wine. An interesting study, they did a study in California. 100% of the wine studied that were analyzed had high levels of glyphosate, <laughs> this chemical that's in the grapes. Yeah. 100%. I said right. 100%. Everyone, yeah. they go, everyone. And he went on here and said, I will never drink yeah. California wine again. And I'm like, well, that's where wine comes from in the right. USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's all about uh yeah, so yeah, that's uh, I yeah, I I never drink an American wine. European wines are, in other countries it's just much more strict. Yeah, that uh where the US it's not strict at all. Yeah, that makes sense. What about a major concern of when you hit that menopause, brittle bones? Uh, I had a patient come in and she says, "Oh, I'm fine. My doc told me just to chew Tums every day and has calcium it'll yeah, build my bones stronger." Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, know. I I just rolled my eyes. Well, I'll tell you the best medicine for for brittle bones or preventing brittle bones is weight bearing exercise, walking, uh, strength training. That's the you know I, I I tell patients that. And then you know the other thing is I have uh, two hundred pound uh, African American women asking me about osteoporosis. I'm like, look, that's not your issue. Okay, <laughs> you're you're weight bearing exercise every time you stand up. So I don't say that to the patient, but that's what I think. You know, if you're if you know it, it is it it is really a problem with you know thin Caucasian women, uh, and you know the other thing about brittle bones is that the key is not the brittle bones, but it's falling and breaking. So the strength training and balance, uh, you know, type exercises like Tai Chi, all those things that help maintain their balance so that they don't fall. That's the real issue. So, and then that I means there's all kinds of there's all kinds of nutritional things. You know, you, protein builds bone. Uh, hormones do build bone, uh, but it's both of them. Estrogen prevents bone loss, but progesterone can actually build bone. And then testosterone is going to increase muscle mass to put, uh, you know, to increase the strength and the strain on the bone. Because the weight bearing exercise, you actually have to have tension on those bones in order for them to maintain their strength. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned Tai Chi. I like to do Tai Chi while I drink chai tea. It creates this really good balance. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's all about it's balance. All about life, balance. Is, life is all about balance. That's right. <laughs> that's great. Hey, let, me, let me ask you this. A lot oh, of people boy. are leery about going on hormone replacement therapy because they've heard it can increase the risk of getting cancer. Share with us, are these fears warranted? A lot of people just say, let Mother Nature take care of itself. I don't want to risk it. Yeah. You know, as long as I, I tell my patients, as long as we keep your hormones in balance, we are not increasing your cancer risk. Now, uh, do I say you'll never get cancer? No, you can't say that because there are cancers, there are breast cancers that have nothing to do with hormones. You know, these, uh, if they're receptor negative, it has nothing to do with hormones. But if we balance estrogen and progesterone, where estrogen causes growth and progesterone slows down growth and increases normal development, so as long as you have those two in balance, you are not increasing your risk of breast cancer. Now, I will tell you that 70% of the world doesn't do bioidentical hormones. Why is that? Because they eat differently from us. They have less stress levels. They're not exposed to hormones in their food like we are. So if you go to an underdeveloped country, uh, a lot of them aren't going to know what you're talking about when you're talking about menopause. So 
yeah, Mother Nature can take care of itself, but in this world that we live in, with like you're saying, wines, you know, are uh, are poisoning us. The exhaust from uh, cars are poisoning us. There's hormones in our food. You know, that's you know, our environment is making menopause, I think, worse for American women than in uh, than in other countries. Yeah, and even there's, uh, you know, uh, hormones in plastic containers. So you may be eating healthy, but you throw that in the microwave and you're nuking those chemicals into your food. So that healthy food becomes this, you know, endocrine disruptor. And people don't realize that. Like, or I'm eating healthy, but yeah, but look at the pots and pans you're putting that healthy food on. <laughs> it's got PFOAs. It's got these chemicals. So you're so right. It really is a, it's a juggling act. You mentioned stress before. Talk to us. I know you said it's, it wreaks havoc on hormones, you know, 2020 was the most stressful and it doesn't seem to be ending what tips do you have to help females combat stress what can they do to just stop getting that cortisol levels up yeah that is you know uh, you know, I always I always uh, this is my I, I talk about my four-pronged approach to stress the best way to get rid of uh, stress or the stress on you is to get rid of the stress so if it's a stressful relationship or a stressful job or whatever You've got to get rid of that stress. That's the best solution. The other solution, if you can't do that, is change how you respond to the stress. You know, figure out some other coping mechanisms or whatever so you can respond. Because stress is in the eye of the beholder. Where one person thinks it's a stress, the other person thinks it's exhilarating and exciting and they love it. Uh, the third way, the thing is to you have to repair the damage caused by the stress. And that damage can be disruption in your hormones or disruption in your gut biome, uh, microbiome. It can be disruption in neurotransmitters where it causes anxiety and depression, uh, destruction of your immune system. So you have to repair that damage because if you don't, that becomes an added stressor. And then the fourth one is, is prepare for future stress is, you know, you have to maintain a healthy gut, maintain a healthy uh, neurotransmitter balance, maintain a good immune system. So that's kind of my four-pronged approach. Yeah, that's that's great. And if you're stressed out, don't turn to California wine for relief. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get, get the Argentina wine or, or yes. South African wine, any kind of wine, but yes. not American wine. Well, well said. Yeah, in the in the minute we have left, is there anything else you'd like to share that we didn't get to cover today? You gave some great info. Is there any last little tidbits you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, well, you know, I, I, this probably the the number one thing is you. Uh, I, when, when I talk to lay people, I said I want to make you an honorary gynecologist. I think the patient has to be their own advocate, or someone has to be an advocate other than the doctor. You need to be able to. Listen to your doctor and take the advice and then decide whether or not you want to take that advice or not. And especially women, I feel they have an intuition that they know when something feels right and something doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. And I tell my patients that, hey, if you don't totally understand what I'm saying to you and you don't decide that that's what you want to do, then don't do it. So I would tell patients, trust their gut. Uh, and if something doesn't feel right, I would move on and, uh, you know, do what feels right with, for them. 
And if they can't trust their gut, maybe they need to work on the microbiomes, as you mentioned earlier. You know, get your gut healthy. Yeah, yeah. Then you can trust it more. Right, right. <laughs> you can trust it more. That's right. That's right. Because you might, you might have that, that uh, pain in your stomach because your microbiome is messed up, not yeah. necessarily because you're getting bad advice. So true. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great. You covered a lot of, yeah, a lot of great you. stuff. I love your insights and uh, how you put things on a real understandable level. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of listeners took good notes. And to learn more about Dr. Taylor and his books and also his supplements that he offers, go to taylormdformulations.com. And you can also go to taylormedicalgroup.net. And while there, be sure and check out all the resources that he has available on everything from hormone testing and treatment protocols, weight loss and diet tips. And you can follow him on Twitter at Eldred Taylor. On Facebook, he's at Taylor Medical Group. For my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. If you heard Dr. Taylor share something today that somebody you know needs to hear, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yougoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. You can subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.